Genesis is like a really cool boss babe, and we all really approve of her return, of course. This is episode 48 of Rock Public Radio, your favorite casual X-Men chat show. I'm that nerdy papa bear. This is the guy that goes into every issue of X-Men Red asking, where is Craig of NASA? My one and only Comega Mutant, Keegan. How are you, my friend? Long time no chat. I know, it's been so long. Uh, I'm good. I am, I am, I've switched my water consumption to out of my Rainforest Cafe souvenir glass. Uh, oh, I forgot we're recording on a school night now, so you've probably switched to non-alcoholic beverages. Very I, much so. I, I miss Shark Week summer vibes. When we, yeah. We had mojitos every night, basically. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was beautiful. In this episode, we are talking about all the comics that came out the week of July 19th, which is just X-Men Red 13 and New Mutants Through the Legion number 5, because, uh, fuck you, Rob Liefeld. <laughs> <laughs> but first, we do have to cover a big announcement that happened this week. Yes, we do. Uh, and it is related to a thing we already talked about in the last episode, but hey... Hey, she had a funeral a week ago. Now we get to talk about how the heart of the Marvel Universe will be reborn in Miss Marvel, the new mutant. Uh, so, to the shock of, I assume, maybe no. some dude living in Antarctica who got the news through Telegram, but otherwise, to the surprise of no one, Kamala Khan is brought back with the mutant protocols. And is going to join the new mutants, apparently? Or at least take their name? I don't get it. I don't I don't get why it needs to be called the new mutant. Like We'll get there, because that is probably among my biggest beefs with it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it's, it, it is written by Amon Vellani. It's drawn by Sabir Prasada. Uh, Amon is the actress who plays her in the mcu so i've seen a lot of buzz people positive about that because she has a reputation as a big comic book fan um really protective of the character on the whole that said there there's just a cynicism around it is i don't want to say stunt stunt casting because she's writing but like it feels like a stunt to have her be the one to do it to pull this editorial mission along um, it feels to me like it is their way of trying to soften the blow of how terrible this is. Because Iman is so passionate about comics and this character in specific for reasons I can't fucking know. Uh, she's so passionate about this character um, that she deserves better. Right. Someone yeah. this passionate about the character, she should be writing for this character. Um, she should get to write her in an organic way. <laughs> in an organic way that isn't literally shoehorning some MCU synergy-ass stuff into it. And also, like, very, very clearly, uh, hey, everyone really hates what we're doing, so let's attach you to it so that they can't hate so hard. Can I... I don't want this to overly sound like me conspiracy mongering mm -hmm. but the actors are the acting guild sag aftra is on a strike yes so they cannot promote their work currently for 
uh, pretty much any production um, that comes out. The Marvels is about to come out. I see. This is not to me. To me, this could be complete conspiracy. But Disney, if they were looking at it and they said, "Man, we don't want to have to push back the Marvels release date." We want to make sure that we have a way to attach Amon's energy because we know Amon, like everyone loves her. Like even the people who disliked the show could praise her. Yeah, we want to find a way to still have her out there, her still in the zeitgeist. What if she wrote the new Miss Marvel book? But you know what? We want Miss Marvel not tied to those Inhumans that we're not making movies about anymore. In the MCU, she's a mech man. What if? And then they go to the to the and then the Disney, big Disney, goes down to Marvel. Who go, Kevin Feige and crew who go down to the Marvel writing editorial and are like, "Hey, let's make this happen." That's what it looks looks like from an outsider perspective to me. Is yeah. it looks like it's a way to sneak around the actor strike. I can see that. That uh, really I, bothers me. Yeah, I, I, uh, I hadn't connected all those dots. Yeah. Woof. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it might, it might not be it, might, but who knows? But anyways, uh, so it's okay. Sabir Prasada is the one who wrote the Miss Marvel Dark Web series, apparently. So she has experience writing Kamala. Uh, I'll be honest, like much of Dark Web, like I don't remember that being a particularly memorable Miss Marvel appearance. But I'm also willing to chalk that up to having to play in the uh, tainted playground of Zeb Wells. Yep. Uh, and then it's drawn by Carlos Gomez, who we actually just talked about last episode because he was the artist behind Rogue and Gambit. And oh! I, the art was nice in that book. Yeah, art wasn't terrible. Uh, the new costume is designed by Jamie McKelvey. Uh, and that became another point of not happy thoughts among the internet when this was announced. Uh, because the costume removed quite a few of the uh, Islamic elements of her character. Yeah, it removed, like, so much of what was tied to her heritage and just yeah. slapped a bunch of uh, X's on all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, overall, not feeling great. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that they're fixed. I can't even call it fixing the friction. I'm glad she's not actually gone for a while because I really like the character of Kamala Khan. Mm -hmm. I am upset they fridged her. I am yeah. upset they're bringing her back in such a callous way. I'm upset they're kind of spitting on her legacy. And, again, future Rod can reveal it still gets even worse. Wait for next episode. The, the, thing, the thing about it is, is, like, her coming back is going to make all of the, well, we know that she's not actually dead uh, bros think that they're right. When we're all, like, it's not the fact that she's dead that we're mad at. It's the process that she's going through and all that. Look. Devil's advocates will tell you a thing will happen. You will tell them, I know that thing will happen. It's still going to be bad for reasons B, C, and D. And when the thing they said would happen happens, they'll still say, like, 
See, you should listen to me. Why'd you say it wouldn't happen when all along we all agreed it would happen? Ready to jump in some books? Yeah, let's jump into some books. X-Men Red number 13, which is a masterpiece of a book. So we get to put our avid faces on for a little bit at least. <laughs> Written by Al Ewing, drawn by Jacopo Camagni. It opens with Lyceon, Lachion, the awesome, awesome new seat of stalemate holder. This is the guy that last issue Sunspot described as like an Omega of Omega Wolverines. Like just way over the top. Uh, and he's like a centaur, except he's got two wolf heads. He's got these six foot, he's got what one claw with Wolverine, but they're like six feet long. He's just this beast of an MFer. And he's at his first great ring meeting. And he's just talking mad, like, like, oh, you're so lucky I'm here kind of shit. And so Lodos pegs him in the eye with a knife. And you might recall, Lodos tested Storm similarly by chucking the knife out. Like, apparently this is a Lodos thing. He just chucks knives at people. But it goes <laughs> right into one of his four eyes. It right into the eye. Uh, and so the actual meeting is John Ironfire just addressing the ring, regaling them with the danger that uh, Annihilation, like, brings to the table oh, annihilation is warping genesis it's gonna warp all of us if it gets here like we need to stop it and uh he's he's interrupted because genesis shows up with an annihilation staff and basically she just calls out the ring on the lackluster welcome uh, she lectures them uh the mask is like whispering things to her the whole time so she's like you guys are weak and the mask is like they are weak it's like really really cool like relationship they're sharing and basically no one notices which is creepy as fuck uh, uh she accuses Araco of falling framing things like the uh terraforming of mars and, and like leaving earth and the invasion from uranus as he's like grand failures john accuses her of like always being like all talk that she she never showed up as backup that the hundred were literally building the ivory tower with the bones of their corpses. Remember, they died every day, and Blue, the original White Sword, healed, like revived them every night, and then they'd go out and they die again. And he reveals that they literally built this tower out of their bones of their previous corpses. And she, she flips that on him, and she's like, "Do you see him beg me for backup?" And it basically point, calls him weak for wanting her to follow through on her word of coming in as backup. Storm finally rebukes Genesis, and she just writes her off as being emotional. Like, oh, look at Storm, the emotional one. Uh, the various ring members are, like, different degrees of conflicted about it. Like, some are totally fallen for her bullshit, and some aren't. And John challenges Genesis, which she immediately beats him wrestles the white sword from him so she gets like after all the like last three issues she ends up with the sword anyways uh, and then sabinar that nudie motherfucker challenges storm and interestingly this is where we see she's getting influenced by annihilation too like she gets really angry and is ready to just lay the smack down on him but lodos realizes what's going on and he re recruits lactuka to use like his whatever the oceany starry powers to teleport everyone who isn't on Genesis's side away. So they all flee. And Genesis accuses Lactuka of interfering. And he's like, I don't know, maybe I did. If you want to challenge me about it, 
And so she backs down, and they all agree that they just ran away. Uh, and then she takes the throne. So this was really evocative to me of a few issues we got before. This felt a lot like those early Hickman issues where, like, they had that meeting where they they went to the uh, was it the UN where they went they went and they like were like, hey, here's here's what our nation is, and you you got like a whole issue that was basically a bottle issue of just them in that meeting room. Yeah. And we've got some Gillen issues that felt like that, where it was like the whole issue was a quiet council meeting. And I feel like this was really on the same level as some of those, where in a way nothing happens this issue. It was all one one council meeting sitting around one table the entire time. There was no nothing comic booky actiony about it, and yet it was a great effing read. Yeah, it was so friggin' good. Like, every time it cut to the mask, just kind of, like, whispering. It was so creepy. It was oh, yeah. so good. It would send chills down my spine. You know, they are weak and all that kind of It's like, woo, yeah. <laughs> well, and it, every, every time we're seeing them, Genesis's relationship with Annihilation is getting more and more interesting. Because a couple weeks ago, we were told, hey, Genesis chose to side with Annihilation. Like, we had that twist. Where we were finally informed that oh no, it didn't it didn't force her, it didn't trick her. Like she openly invited, like it's it's what's the word I'm looking for? Influence. Like she she asked for it essentially. And then now we're seeing that even if she chose it, this influence is manipulating her. It is constantly manipulating her. And by the end of the issue, we're realizing and everyone around it. Because everyone was elevated. Even Lodos, who said he was aware of it, he he had a shift in attitude because of it. So Annihilation's got its fingers everywhere. Yeah. So if you opened a dictionary right now, and you looked up the idiom gaslight gatekeep girl boss, <laughs> if it's anything other than a picture of Genesis, I'm going to be very upset. No, very, very legitimately. Like, uh, wow. I mean, true. <laughs> Just like everything they threw at her, she was able to twist and warp, and oh, it was so much fun. So much fun. Oh, uh, yeah. Especially the, oh, Storm. To be so emotional. Like, Storm? You're going to say that to Storm? <laughs> If, if Aurora is anything, it, it's sto- too stoic. Like Stoic. <laughs> stoic and composed. So emotional. <laughs> uh, so there's this, this running thing in the Mother Righteous related issues. We didn't see it in the most recent Immortal, but we're seeing it in a lot of the Immortal issues. And we saw it in the Before the Fall where we're seeing the um, future of what is the name of it? The it, it it's the book that supposedly is like the screenplay of how mm-hmm. the future of uh, Krakoa plays out. And then in these, we're getting the secret history of Morocco. Yeah, and I'm really enjoying both, but I feel like whereas a lot of the plot happening in Immortal has been the thing I've been prefer, like I I, I think Immortal has been stronger on the plot lately. This is where that Al Ewing magic is 
just pulling me back in immediately. They're some of the greatest data pages we've ever gotten because they're just like this poetic explanation of what's going through each character's mind in every like whatever page whatever 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 moment they're breaking down because like it has everyone's reaction to genesis arriving and it's just it's just so beautifully written and it's something i feel like there's no one else writing today that has that level of ethos that just immediately gets me with every word choice the way al ewing does in in those data pages is so good i just i've waxed poetic about him before but i just i love this man's writing i i absolutely agree i think that like al ewing's command of any of these data pages or anything like that has always been just so so strong and and like not even in a way to put down any other use of data pages, but like Al Al Ewing, like really, really makes the case for how important they are to the Krakoan set. Hundred percent. Since we're on it, like the imagery, I also the the speech John Ironfire gave the the one uh, when he's basically rebuking Genesis and he's describing the trial and how hard what the hundred went through was and the literal using their own bones to build the tower was was some rhetorical masterwork that she immediately as the gaslight gatekeeping girl boss like hand waves away immediately but god damn the man could speak like i'm so glad iron fire wasn't isn't just a relic of the sins of the sister timeline i'm so glad he's here yeah, I'm really enjoying uh, what we're getting with John Ironfire because it's just so good. I think it's really cool that the same like two-week period where the Quiet Council got wiped off the board, that we've realized that the Great Ring is doing just fine. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it just got divided into two, essentially, but the Great Ring's here to stay, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. Long live the Great Ring. <laughs> And uh, Genesis being afraid of Latuka, like mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, she she talked all big about Uranus of all, like oh yeah, I can't believe the storm couldn't take on Uranus. She needed all that help, but then Latuka's like challenging if you want, and she immediately backs down. So good, love that moment. I have been really clear. I'm really excited about Fall of X. I don't yes. think anyone that watches has any doubts that I am all on board. I'm very excited for it really wish that the genesis war got to be its own event like i feel like as much as we talk about how not everything needs to be a tie-in it'd be kind of neat to have gotten some of the other books like up on Araco and had an Araco paced like even if it was a short one even if it was one of the like three months one book a week just bang it out events i feel like mm-hmm. it would have been really really enjoyable to not have the genesis war be just a side story of fall of x I, I completely agree with that. I think the Genesis War would have been like really cool to like truly, truly explore. Like get well, deep into it. And it really feels like an X of Swords sequel of sorts. So yeah. it, it feels like it deserves at least a little bit more page count to it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we we've we've made the comparison before to like the Clone Wars from Star yeah. Wars, right? Because they mention it and it makes you go like, ooh, what's that? I still want to know more about it. Like, give me, give me my seven, eight, whatever we're at seasons of Clone Wars. You know, give me, give me some issues here of yeah. Genesis War. 
And I will say, like, the war hasn't broken out yet. So yeah. maybe, maybe this is going to be a slow enough build. We're not actually going to see the true Genesis war till after Fall of X. But I also don't see the build being that long. So no. I, I would be happy to be proven wrong, but I don't see it happening that way. Yeah. Really, the 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 cast of the Great Rainbow. Okay, I really liked uh, Sabinar. Like that little new. I thought that newt was was our homie. Mm. That dude's a little bitch. I can't believe yeah. how quickly he turned on us. Just like, how dare like you? Yeah, that little newt. Little newt. Next time, next time a, a newt infests my garage, instead of relocating it to the far part of my yard like I usually do, <laughs> that's getting stomped. I'm gonna teach that newt a lesson. <laughs> <sighs> New Mutants Lethal Legion number five. Sure. <laughs> Written by Charlie Jane Anders, drawn by Anid Balam. It opens with Escapade and Cerebella doing stakeout work at the Shavit Center. And Cerebella showing she uh, like admitting, telling she can't trust Escapade anymore. Aw, relationship troubles. All these minis need relationship troubles. Uh, they're they're hanging they're they're sneaking this place out because it's where Count Nefaria is going to use the weird engine. Mirage uh, and Wolfsbane recruit Beatrice the Dragon's help, and at the convention, Nefaria and the Leaf Legion are all set up. So Escapade calls the team so they can plan a heist. They kind of hilarious. Like, it is a good scene. They hilariously sneak in and get caught really quickly. So they have the brawl round two anyways. By uh. The dragon just straight up eats Nefaria. And Escapade and Morgan reconcile with uh, Escapade agreeing to spend more time with Morgan. Morgan agreeing to visit Krakoa more often. And so the story ends with this nice little party scene at the Green Lagoon. Cerebella and Escapade's romance is intact. And we find out that Morgan is asexual, which... A great like addition to the diversity of the cast and also solves the kind of online Morgan escapade versus escapade Cerebella like hookup debate. So mm -hmm. yay for solving yay. that drama. Alright. Line of the week. <laughs> I, I I feel good I feel weird because I gave this character line of the week a couple weeks ago because she's been like easily the highlight of this miniseries even though she's only appeared in like two issues uh moonshot says i've hooked up with two out of the three hawkeyes referring obviously to clint and uh bullseye who was hawkeye on the dark avengers mm -hmm. uh although i do feel like with with the banter we've seen from her in this mini she'd get along with kate too probably right Pro probably i could see that I have a label I want to apply to this, and you can tell me if you disagree or not. I think this is the averagiest arc we have read out of anything. Yeah. Like, there's nothing here that's, like, I'm actively ready to complain about. It's no. fine. It was all perfectly, like, enjoyable for what it was. But it also inspired absolutely nothing out of me. Yeah, like, you know, it wasn't bad. It wasn't offensive. It didn't upset me, but it didn't excite me, and I wasn't like, "Oh boy, a new issue of New Mutants this week. Let's go!" You know, it, it was there. Yeah, I, I will say, knowing now that new, the New Mutant name is being stolen by Miss Marvel, 
the fact that this is the last true New Mutants issue, or at least for a while, that bums me out. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's the thing with this book, right? If I think the way that I would describe it is um, if it wasn't for this podcast, I would probably still be reading this book, but only because I wouldn't care to be like, hey, Drew, the comic shop uh, that I go to, hey, Drew, like, take this off my list. Yeah. You know, I just, I wouldn't care enough to have that conversation. So I would still be reading it out of laziness. <laughs> I I think that is the most accurate way to describe it. I read it because it's there. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they slide a book into my box and I don't feel like being like, oh, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I... Sometimes I really miss having a local comic shop because I would definitely have my pull list there instead of ordering online. But I do think sometimes about how, like, sometimes I'm finicky and I drop a book mid-arc and I, I couldn't do that in person. Like, yeah. I'm not going to tell them after they've already ordered books that I don't want them anymore, even though I know they would just put them on their shelf, but I would still feel really guilty about that. So Absolutely. Yeah, um... I will say, uh, I thought that the letter at the end of the book from uh, Charlie was very good. Yeah. That, yeah, I didn't, was, I didn't mention that. that. That was a touching letter and a sincere goodbye to the New Mutants. And, uh, you know, it's cool. Like, there was very clearly a lot of heart there. And I definitely I, got the impression that they would have liked to spend more time with their creation. Mm-hmm. But, yeah um they didn't get to tell the story they wanted to in escapade i don't think i i think so too i think that your speculation probably rings even more true uh given that letter that like at least one of the times if not both times they're like hey you're gonna get an ongoing <laughs> and then they didn't <laughs> i think it's very likely i think i think it was clearly set up each time as this is the start of something bigger thing. Mm-hmm. Oops. Nope. Never mind. This yeah. is the whole story. Uh, reminder, we are not reading Deadpool, Bad or Blood anymore. So if you're like, hey, there was three X-Books this week. Why are they talking about Deadpool, Bad or Blood number two? Because fuck you, Rob Liefeld. I'm, I'm sure there's another X-Men podcast that'll talk about it. I'm pretty sure that's what Rob Liefeld's career now is, is he does, like, might not be a podcast. I know he goes on whatnot and, like, live streams selling stuff to people, so he probably has a podcast. Like, I feel like that's a logical next step. Next week, which I'm so excited about for, like, multiple of the books coming out, but the most important, numero uno... Hellfire Gala 2023! Uh, which has a tie-in issue of Invincible Iron Man number 8, which means you actually have to read this one! Uh, <laughs> Deadpool number 9, which uh, I looked today, and I don't think the original solicit said it, but issue 10 is now labeled on League of Comic Geeks as final issue. So, Aww. apparently Alyssa Wong is wrapping up their Deadpool run. I loved their run. I know. And there is 
uh, I think it's the like Halloween anthology. One of the anthologies in the October solicits has a short Deadpool story written by Kevin Scott that is labeled like the introduction of the new status quo. So I think the implication is that he'll be writing the next ongoing. And he's read some Star Wars stuff I enjoy, so it'll probably be fine. But this I, I'm just, day. I'm really bummed because I've been really loving their take on Deadpool. And this is the first Deadpool that I've really, really enjoyed in a long time. Like as a kid, I enjoyed Joe Kelly's because it was more goofy. It wasn't like broy yet. But for the last 20 years, Deadpool has been a very specific sense of humor that clashes with my sensibilities. And Alyssa Wong managed to keep true to the character while peeling that away. And I really, really enjoyed it. And the fact it's getting cut off in just two more issues just breaks my little heart. Uh, Wolverine 35, which will surely, inevitably wrap up a story, I'm sure, because that's what Benjamin Bruce is great at. When a book tells you it's going to be the conclusion, I'm sure it will be. Future Rod wouldn't let me lie about that. No, never. Uh, the excellent number five, which with how much stuff's coming out, will definitely be punted to around the Marvel Universe. And I'm pretty sure there's one I'm missing because I have Wolverine 35 on there twice. So let me <laughs> very quickly. And no, we're not going to read it twice. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about it twice. Read it twice. You ain't going to get me to do it, no matter how hard you try. Uh, in Around the Universe, we won't talk about it a ton, but we, there is Ultimate Invasion number two, uh, which I believe is no longer a $9 book. Oh. Yeah. Issue, issue two is only $6, which is still overpriced for a $36 book. But I'm at least glad they're not doing all of their books at $9, because Hellfire Gala is a $9 book this year, which to me is just insanity. It's That's... just insane that they're doing this to books. Yeah. So, any other late-breaking news or gossip? Nah. All right. Then, we will see you guys next time, which if you're on our awesome marathon live stream, starts in like five minutes. New more life. Still crazy as hell. I am going to probably continue to force these sporadic episode releases for a while. Plus, this dude is teaching in July. Yeah. You yeah, like it's it crazy. New, your new school's cool, though, right? Like, you Yeah, I mean, you know, it's cool enough. And you're going to be able to rub it in in October when you get, like, extra time off and all that, December, whatever. Well, all those extra breaks you get. But I am that Nerdy Papa Bear on all the socials except for X, where I am just Nerdy Papa Bear. Keegan is Bulk Ranger, I believe, everywhere. Think and so. until, until next time, remember, it's fucking Hellfire season. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was definitely among our...